Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 38, Mom Fashions Podcast, Top 5. A note to our listeners before we get started on today's episode. We are going to be counting down our top five episodes of 2020, which means we're going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. But as we do, there will be some content that might not be appropriate for little ears. So we want to give you mamas out there a minute to turn us off and save us for later and come back and enjoy this episode when you have a good cup of coffee and maybe some earbuds or a minute alone in your closet. Enjoy. Hey, Mom Fashions listeners, we are really excited to be starting this year off looking back at some good things in 2020. We um, we have been a little bit surprised about what your favorite episodes are, and then on some level, we really haven't been surprised. But Emily doesn't know yet, so I'm going to be giving her the top five, and we get to experience it together. And Yay. relive some of these, um, some of these favorites out of our past episodes. So Emily, drum roll on my IKEA plastic stool here. <laughs> Yay! All right, number five for 2020 was teaching kids about diversity. That is a good one. That one is near and dear to my heart. Um, yeah, I I love that one, and it became like it became a topic that was so important for 2020 for sure. And I love that in that episode we were able to talk about really like practical small ways that you make big impacts in your kids' lives in terms of normalizing diversity, creating acceptance for diversity, and for pursuing diversity in your in your families. So I'm so excited that that one like also resonated with our listeners. Yeah, I mean, that one went out in January of 2020. And so to me, it really shaped the way that I walked through all of the different events in 2020 and how I talked mm. to my kids about it, you know. And I remember after that episode, driving to Target and buying a bag full of just multi-ethnic Barbies to take home to my kids. Because in that conversation, we talked about how the toys that you have in your home should represent the world. And in doing a personal inventory, I didn't feel like mine did. That was something that was just fun. And to see them, to see my kids just, it didn't really phase them either way, you know? Yeah, and I, they just embrace it. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the whole deal is that you present those things and it normalizes it. Like they're, 
there isn't a big deal about playing with the black Barbie if you're a white girl. Yeah. Like, it's a doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's take a listen to, like, one of our favorite clips from that episode. One of the biggest shocks for me whenever I welcomed my oldest daughter home happened in a Target aisle because I wanted to be the first one to buy her a baby doll. And I went and I was looking for a soft baby doll that had brown skin. And I did not find it at mm. Target. And then literally it was like, it was kind of like one of those moments like where like the, the light shines down from heaven a veil has been lifted, and you hear music singing, and as I walked up and down the aisles, I realized that I could have counted the brown-skinned dolls or books or action figures or whatever on one hand, mm. like aisle after aisle, and I was like, okay, all right, that's different. That's never occurred to me before because when I went down the Barbie doll aisle as a little girl, I had 40 dolls looking back at me that I could choose from and that looked just like you. That looked just like me. Yeah. I mean, granite, I don't have blonde hair and my boobs aren't that big. But you know what or, I'm or saying? Or your waist that unimaginably small. Right. Yes. yes. My yes. my waist was not a 1 inch <laughs> circumference. Yeah, which yeah. is probably good. Like, I want my girls to have toys and books and movies and clothing so that she could just see herself in that. I mean, like, that's important because yeah. what that does, whether it is on the toy aisle or it's the decor that is in your school classroom or, like, whatever, the ads that are on TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is that she, my daughter, sees that white is normal. It is not only that it is hurtful and damaging to my daughter to repeatedly see only white kids represented in play and clothing, but it's really actually damaging to the white kids too. Yeah, I agree. So I think that if you want to teach your kids about diversity and if you want to make a positive impact on changing just this divide that we have in our country. For the next generation, the best thing you can do is not listen to TED Talks, not have some like super serious once-a-year conversation about slavery and civil rights and all these things. The best thing that you could do as a mom is to buy your daughter a black baby doll. Because if the things that we play with are diverse mm -hmm. and the things the books that we read are diverse and the movies that we show them like are diverse like and demand that diversity in the products that they're selling yeah then it helps children to bump up against and refuse the notion that we're not all equal we're all different but we're all equal okay number four i'm ready was parenting after abuse. Oh, This was yes. another very That's intimate right. one for you. Yeah, it was. We're, we're just picking really lighthearted topics, I can see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the thing that makes 
um, this one, one of the top five is that it is such, um, it is such just an intimate view of your story. And I think it resonates with so many women, you know, where they might have different stories from yours, but are still facing this same struggle of how do I parent my children when maybe I didn't grow up in a home with parents who were setting an example for me. I got the most feedback in terms of like messages and emails and DMs from that episode. And I know because, you know, it really because it was like a personal episode about my story. So, you know, that makes sense. But I do think that you're right, that a lot of people resonated with it, sadly, because a lot of people endured hard things in their childhood. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that the abuser always wants the abused to believe is that you're all alone. And that, you know, in that there's isolation there and there's shame because this isn't happening to other people and that kind of thing. And it is a part of that, like that kind of abuse that, you know, you always are going to be working through some aspect of it. And that was a new aspect for me to walk through, you know, when you become a parent. So I was nervous to put it out there, but was encouraged and definitely felt supported by the feedback. That's great. Well, we're going to listen to a quick clip from that episode. And the counselor said something to me that has stuck with me forever and said that, well, when you, when you get to be a parent, you are either going to think one of two things. You're going to think, I've been too hard on my parents. Like, this is much harder than, you know, like, because all of us in our 20s go through this thing where we realize our parents are people, mm-hmm. and we are a little bit devastated by it. Mm-hmm. And we are just disgusted by their flaws because we think they should could do so much better, you know, because we think, we, you know, we will have it so much more together as an, an adult. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and I would say for the most part, most people are in the camp of saying, I have overjudged my parents. I am sorry. Like, forgive me for what I have said to you or, you know, or thought and all this stuff. He said, or you're going to be in the camp of how could they? Like, how could they? And I've had a bit of both as just a parent like, oh, gosh, yeah, I can understand more why my mom reacted the way she did. Because I know how, like, stressed she was just in general, but then thinking about adding on how she was treated, like, of course, of course she dragged me by my hair up the hall because I didn't eat my green beans. Of course she did, you know. Like, not giving that a pass, but I understand it. But for the most part, I've thought... Like, how could they, you know? So for me, it has been learning more and more and diving more and more into my defaults. And there are times that I can, I feel like I channel my mom and I I can replicate her facial expressions. I feel it on my face. 
I know how angry she felt on the inside. And um, I have worked really hard to make defaults that I, it's okay that I feel the same way that she might have done, but it is important that I don't respond mm-hmm. like the same way. All right, number three on our top five countdown. I feel like I'm doing like a top 40. Um, yeah, <laughs> with Kay, with Casey Casey, Right. And number three was our episode on pelvic floor health with Lacey Welch. No way. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, because this is something nobody ever talks about. Like until I think sometime in 2019, I didn't even know that your pelvic floor had health or not health. I mean, like I didn't even know this was a thing yeah. until then. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up hearing about Kegels and how important they were, but I honestly never knew like what part of me I was supposed to be doing a Kegel with, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Right. and I don't, I still don't necessarily know. And I've done pelvic floor therapy. Um, Anyways, Lacey Welch is a um, pelvic floor therapist and she is one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram because she yes. she speaks so truthfully and mm-hmm. she is so funny about it that it makes it approachable for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's de- yeah, it is definitely become um it's become more of a like thing that women talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost kind of like a trend, a little. It is. Pelvic yes. floor therapy is kind of a trend. Yes. Um, and a good one, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's let let's listen to our favorite clip. What are some tips that you have? Let's say specifically for moms, because let's be real. Once you get into motherhood, your whole romantic life changes drastically. Right. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. what are some ways that maybe um, moms can help themselves be more comfortable in this area of their lives? I think for moms and, you know, I can relate to this and I could be wrong that people experience this, but I feel like there's a loss of connection with yourself and then your partner. Um, So one of the first things that I recommend is, I used to call it self-care, but it's such a buzzword and I was turned on to the fact that there might be some guilt surrounding not getting self-care. So instead of saying self-care, I um, had a, a client tell me once, that it's like coming up for air, like you need to come up for air. So whatever that means, like, you know how wells, they come up for air. That was her little analogy. And I loved it because first of all, it sounds peaceful. Um, (laughs) yeah, so come up for air. And to me, what that means is that you got to connect with yourself again. All right. We are to our number two. Do you want to take a guess? Do I want to take take a guess? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're we're kind of on a trend here from number three to number two. Okay, then I'm gonna go with. We did an episode about like 
women's health issues. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it was like in September. Yes. Ding, yes. ding, ding. I'm the winner. <laughs> yes. So that was our episode on gyno health. And we actually had um, Dr. Jamie Irwin on. Yeah. And so that was a good episode. Just to, she talked about everything from, we were talking about, I believe, cervical cancer, right? Ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And um, all the way to how to talk to your kids about sex. And I. It was a a great episode. Yeah. It was really great. Lots of good information on that. So let's listen to a quick clip from that one. In sitting down with you, Jamie, I am most excited because I remember in that episode confessing how little I knew growing up and even as a young woman about my own body and my own health, specifically my reproductive health and how um, just really there was a lot of ignorance and a lot of just unknown. about It it felt a little taboo. Yes. And I think that, that it continues to be a little taboo. It's, it's difficult even now to know exactly how to talk to my girls about it. Um, It hasn't necessarily been something that is normalized fully, I think, in our in our culture. And so I'm just, I'm excited to hear from somebody who knows all about it. And um, yeah. Sure thing. Get to, yeah, get to kind of pick your brain a little bit and, and hear your thoughts on that. So yeah, well, I don't think you're alone in that. I, I um, have patients every day in the office where um, conversations will circle back to very basic anatomy and in physiology and talking about what our female parts do. What is their purpose? What is their function? Um, I think there is always room for education and learning. And as doctors, that's a big part of our job. So don't feel like you're the only one um, who feels that way. But I think as moms, we definitely have an opportunity to normalize And, um, I think that can start at home. I know at our home, this may sound kind of weird, but we use body parts by their anatomical name. I mean, even my five-year-old son for better, for worse, he knows what vagina is. And, you know, obviously the potty talk is strong at that age. And he likes to throw those private body parts, you know, words out there because he knows it's going to get a reaction, but we're trying to really normalize that. And, and, you know, talk and treat and think of our bodies with respect, even in my children. Number one. And I don't ask me to guess because I don't know, actually. I would have thought, I thought that the episode with Dr. Irwin was going to be number one because I knew it got such great traction when we published it in September. So I... All, we've already covered all of my guesses, so I literally don't know what number one will be. You know, I think I think that you would know, but I think that it because it was in February of 2020 that uh, maybe you've forgotten that we did it. Yeah. But it was like that's 10 years ago. I know that doesn't that <laughs> seems like a lifetime. Like, that was pre-pandemic. So that's that was less than a year, but that's really 10 years ago in a pandemic. It is. It is. It's like dog years, but 2020. Um, Okay. Break it to me. What is it? Okay. So it was our episode on the uninvolved grandparent. (gasps) 
No way. Yes. I am shocked. I really am. And that's it. what is so funny about that is we had an article written about this topic literally years ago. Every year, it always turns up in like, seriously, like the top 10 of like our of our articles read for that year. And again, I think it's something that you don't feel a lot of freedom to talk about with other people because you're talking about like family members who are pretty close to you. And yeah, the uninvolved grandparent. Um, wow. I'm really, I am completely shocked. I really am. Yeah. Well, you know, it does keep coming up and I think you're right. I think a lot of these, um, really all of these in our top five have been topics that people are uncomfortable talking about. Have mm. you noticed that? And But not us. We'll not talk us. about all kinds of hard things. <laughs> well, that's we why it. we're mom fashions because exactly. we're going to say it like it is. I'm so glad to see that our listeners are, um, are able to hear and hopefully have some of these hard discussions themselves after listening. And so that's, that's exciting yeah. to me. Yep. The, um, number one, the uninvolved grandparent does like talk about some of the realities of, you know, having difficult relationships with your own parents or your in-laws and how that breaks down to your kids being their grandparents. But what I love about it too, is that we also have a lot of really good tips for how to like manage that and, you know, how to like overcome it. So it's a good one to, to listen to. One of the things that she talks about in this article is lowering your expectations. And I think that it kind of reveals this heart that, again, it's not about free babysitting, um, but it also recognizes that there are things on the other side of this as far as for the grandparents that may be hindering them or maybe keeping mm -hmm. them from being able to have these relationships. And yeah. so while you were saying, you know, it might not be this Norman Rockwall perfect picture of a relationship, maybe they're offering what they can. You know, she points out that there are lots of external expectations for mothers. I think some of the worst expectations that mothers battle are our internal ones, right? Yes. It's the expectations that we've set for ourselves of what an ideal mother is, what we should be able to do. Like, and that trickles down into what we think our children should be able to do and how they should act and what we have expected out of this whole gig. And motherhood just, like, slowly but surely, like, crumbles all that, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not true. And her first point, like, lower your expectations, and I might even add check your expectations, mm -hmm. is that to remember that grandparents are people, too. Mm -hmm. that they And have, they were mothers. Yes, and, and they were mothers mm -hmm. and fathers just like us. And that... They have a story and they have issues and problems mm -hmm. and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't excuse bad behavior, but there may be reasons there. And, uh, dare I say it, we may have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for what we think yeah. grandparents are supposed to do and be for our kids. And 
So I think that is a good place to start, like Mm -hmm. thinking through what your expectations are. Are they realistic? Are they taking into consideration that they are still people, Mm -hmm. right? Seeing them where they are and accepting where they are, it helps you not to obsess over what you don't like and what's going wrong, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and recognizing that different people have different ways of showing love. And for my family... um, with my kids' two sets of grandparents, they show them love in very different ways, but we celebrate all of those ways because that's them reaching out to my children in relationship in the way that they do best. And my kids need all of that. They need all the different facets of grandparents and being loved on and building relationship. So it's it's a good thing to be able to see and accept different ways of showing love. Okay, well, that is a wrap. That is the top five episodes of Mom Fashion's podcast for 2020. And you can definitely visit fwmoms.com to check out our show notes. And we'll have links to the full uh, full um, episodes of all these top five. You can listen to them all in their entirety. And then I'm excited to see, Beth, I wonder what will be the top five for 2021. Keep listening to find out. As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.